0: Hello and welcome to the Hooked on Health podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Sean Lorden. I'm the author of Stop Aging in Its Tracks and the owner of Concierge Physical Therapy, a sports medicine physical therapy practice with multiple locations in Massachusetts. Please sit back and enjoy the show. My name is Dr. Sean Lorden. I am the host of the Hooked on Health podcast. Welcome today and we've got special guest, uh, Alan Belden of Belden Golf. He's a uh, PGA professional and, uh, the former head pro at Worcester Country Club for, uh, 25 years, 26 years, Alan, what is it?
1: Uh, I was, yes, so, uh, I'm 25 seasons, I was, um, uh, 21 seasons as the head pro, started there as an assistant back in
0: 1996. Yeah, so, uh, I'll let you introduce yourself, Alan, and your credentials and and talk to us, you know, maybe start a little bit about the difference between a PGA professional and, uh, you know, PGA Torrent Pro and and the details and instruction and all that good stuff.
1: Yeah, so I think, you know, um, so, you know, as a a head golf pro, um, uh, which I think is what probably most of uh, uh, people joining us today are the ones that are interacting with at your local club. So the PGA professionals are the ones that are administering golf um, at the local facilities. Uh, we're responsible for running tournaments, teaching, uh, growing the game, et cetera. And I think one of the biggest um, things that is confusing to people is when you introduce yourself uh, to people as a PGA professional, they're like, oh, have I seen you on TV? And it's that's the PGA Tour. So um, that's one of the things that's misunderstood. So there's the PGA Touring Professionals. Um, the PGA Tour is a separate entity from the, uh, the PGA of America. Uh, PGA of America has 27,000. Uh, members um, uh, of which uh, of which I am a member, and those are the the people uh, you know all across the, the the country that are administering golf every single day in the in, in your backyard.
0: Excellent. So that's great. So so talk to us about you know and obviously today's call we're going to talk about injuries. We're going to talk about um, you know everything from skill to to injury prevention. So. You know, and one of the things that I talk to my patients about is, you know, I can give you the foundation as a physical therapist to move well, but I can't teach the skill. So that's where, you know, I want to talk today a little bit about um, how they intertwine and how you see kind of the two fields, our two fields interacting. Uh, But talk to me a little bit about sort of the common, um, let's just talk about sort of like the common body parts you encounter that you see stiffness in Um, Talk to me about your, your, your uh, typical kind of golfer who comes to see you, how old are they? What what sex are they, um, you know, and what are their common complaints and and what are their goals?
1: Well, uh, you know, obviously the reason why, you know, people will reach out to their local professional, um, you know, for, uh, for help and for instruction is because they want to play better. Right. So, um, you know, the the phone doesn't normally ring when people are playing great. um, (laughs) But when, you know, when, when, when people have an issue um, is when we hear from them. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, I, to say that, you know, one, one thing is common from male or female, um, I would say that the back, right. So, you know, the low back is probably one of the things that we hear all the time oh, my, my back is bothering me. Um, you know, but from, from a functional standpoint, I think that probably the thoracic spine, the mid back and the low back are probably the two areas, um, that, um, that I see that, um, um. That have limitations and restrictions, and I think a lot of it is, you know, a lot of the people that we're dealing with um, in the in the, <clears throat> in the industry, um, a lot of them are people that spend a lot of time sitting, right? So I, I didn't coin this phrase. I don't even know where I heard it, but um, somebody had said that um, uh, sitting is the new smoking, right? So. Um, and and it's, you know, (laughs) there's nothing worse than sitting all day. So, and, you know, and, and and I, I, you know, I've said to people, you know, you, you spend, you know, however many hours a week, um, sitting at your desk and then you're in your car sitting and then you go home and you sit down and you do that Monday through Friday and you show up at the golf course on Saturday morning. Um, don't really warm up, go right to the first tee and then come in after playing 18 holes. And, you know, the player will say, well, my back bothers me and I will be like, I would be surprised if it didn't. Right. So, um you know that's uh you know low back health is probably the number one complaint um i think probably the one thing that people don't understand is thoracic and mid back um which i'm sure you can elaborate on and that's one of the limitations that that we see that um, affects the swing
0: yeah and i think the biggest thing is you know nobody really understands that your hip flexors right the muscles that get short when you're sitting have feet they come off of your your lumbar spine right so they're coming off right off the spine and coming forward. So if your hip flexors are tight, that's gonna directly affect how your back feels and how it moves. So, you know, I think the tough part is, you know, kind of getting into the groove of, and we can talk about this and, and how you coach your players. We talked about it briefly in a couple of weeks weeks where we were talking, but, you know, what is, you know, we can talk about it toward the end, but what does that, you know, three to four exercise loop look like prior to taking, you know, those first couple swings, right?
1: Yeah. So there, I mean, there, um, there's I'm, I'm a huge fan of a foam roller, right? So like, I try to encourage, um, you know, all of my clients to invest 20 bucks in a foam roller. Um, it's, it's, that is one of the things that I think that is, is not um, uh, most people don't have that should have if they're playing golf. Um, and so you, you, you using using a foam roller um, prior to prior to playing and even leaving the house for five or 10 minutes in the, in the morning to, to work the thoracic spine. Um, and then there are certain stretches, um, you know, for the for the low back um, that will work out the psoas. You like psoas, which I think is what you're referring to that goes you know through the hip flexor, attaches to the to the spine um, where things like pigeon. And uh, and some of the other uh, yoga and uh, stretches um, that will that will loosen that up. I mean, if the body's not ready to play, I mean, besides affecting performance, we're also talking about back health and the ability to play. I think one of the worst things that can happen in the early spring is that people run out to the tee without properly preparing their bodies to play, and then in April they're injured, and so the rest of the summer is affected, right? And so you're losing a player, um, and and that's just the worst thing that can happen for the game. So, um, uh, you know, I, I, I'm a huge fan of, of, of the foam roller and there are are several stretches that you can do to work, uh, work the, work the mid back, um, and the thoracic spine, as well as some other things you can do to work the, work the lower back.
0: If anybody has any questions or they want those stretches, you know, I'm happy to send out, uh, if they email either of us, you know, I'm happy to send out just a a quick foam roller routine. You're probably talking about just rolling the mid back, maybe doing a little opener. Um, And these stretches out and they take like two minutes. I mean, this isn't like, it's not even five minutes. You could hit it, you know, even if you're right out the door, just hit the T-spine, that takes 30 seconds. Do an opener for a minute and then maybe a pigeon pose and you're good to go. I mean, if you do anything, I would hit those three if you just got a stiff back because that gets the hip rotation. It gets your thoracic spine kind of moving a little bit. And then once you get onto the course, at least you just loosen up with a sandwich or something get the body grooving up and then you should be good to go.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think before, you know, before you even get to the range and, and swing a golf club, I mean, anything that you can do to get the, you know, the blood flowing and get the body ready is important, right? So, um, and you're, you're correct. I mean, it can be, it can be as little as one or two minutes. Um, you know, or, or longer, but I, you know, look, anything is better than nothing. And, um, and yeah, you're correct. I mean, the, you know, the, the, the pigeon and some of the other things for the low back, but yeah, I mean, I love the opener, right. So it's just, you're on a foam roller
0: yeah. and you're hanging, you're hanging your head
1: back and that's that foam roller is right below your shoulder blades. And, you know, you're letting gravity do its work. And it, you're, when you think of like a lot of the things that you're doing with the foam roller, it is the complete opposite of what you're doing when you're sitting right? It's, it, it, it's, right. It's a, it is the complete opposite, right? You're, you're putting the spine and the body in positions that are opening them up um, because when we're sitting, everything's getting short and tight and closing up.
0: You know, and I think this year we'll find that with COVID and the COVID winter and the spike, you know, weight gain and obesity and adiposity is also directly tied to low back pain and sciatica, So, you know, I wonder, it'd be interesting to see this year, Alan, how people coming out of the, you know, their COVID coma, which is what I call it, um, you know, how they perform and how they're feeling, you know, and, uh, you know, even just that extra, like, you know, little 10 pound weight gain can really affect swing speed. It can affect a lot of different things, you know, so Just hitting, you know, getting back into a a regular exercise routine, whether it's walking, whether just doing any, you know, if, even if it's the difference between just walking instead of taking a cart, you know, if you're healthy enough and you don't have, you know, super arthritic joints, that's a huge, I mean, that would be a huge win just to drop, drop a little bit of weight, you know.
1: Yeah, I I, and I found it interesting, right? The last spring at the beginning of COVID, when golf carts were not allowed, right? It wasn't even an option. People had to walk, right? For the first um, few weeks that golf was even allowed in Massachusetts, Um, it forced people to to walk, Um, and a lot of people continued to walk throughout the throughout the summer um, because they enjoyed it and they felt better. And yeah, I mean, if you're walking versus riding, it's obviously you know way more beneficial. Um, you know, interestingly enough, and you, 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 talk about that. So I, I wear a whoop, which met, you know, measures, you know, daily strain. And, um, a couple of weeks ago, um, we played four rounds down at Pinehurst and two, we rode two, we walked, um, the activity strain was 40% higher on the days that we walked. Um, so there's definitely, um, a, a lot of benefits, uh, to walking. Um, and I think COVID to me, what, what I've seen with, 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 individuals and, and players is like, there's not a lot of middle ground. It was like COVID was either a reason for people to get in really good shape because they had the time and they did it, or they went the complete opposite other way. Right. So it, that's, that's been my experience. Like people either use the time to, to really get into good shape or, um, or not. Um, I, I, didn't, I didn't, see a lot of middle ground, uh, during COVID.
0: Yeah, I would agree there. You know, and I think, um, you know, I, I think there's you know a ton of benefits to walking. You know, and I think, you know, the one key thing with walking and the one sort of caveat is if you're walking 18 holes, you know, toward the end you may get a little fatigued if your body's not used to it. So you know, that could potentially affect your golf swing. But I think the overall benefits of walking are going to be better than you know over the long term. Your body will adapt and get stronger. Um, it's going to be better than. Um, know better than riding and again in riding you're sitting (laughs) you're still sitting right so if you're older you know you're 50 plus you're stiff you're prone to arthritis you're getting out of that you know you're coming from a flexion position you're sitting and you're going up and you want to go hit the ball no wonder you can't hit that 250 yard approach shot on you know on three or whatever it is on four right so uh to the green so you know i think that you know preparation but the first couple months of the season if you can get out and walk you know that's probably you know one of the better ways to get in shape after the winter, I think. Um, so what do you do specifically, you know, let's just talk about maybe like a tournament day, right? So I know one of the things that people are interested in, Alan, is, is what you do specifically to prep your body maybe before like a tournament or, um, you know, like Pinehurst, what'd you do for that?
1: So, um, it, the, the mornings, the mornings of, uh, of an event, I just had one on Monday. So I, I like to do some sort of cardio, Uh, early um, on the day of an event to get the blood flowing. So to warm up, um, I like to, I like to spend, so I spend a lot of time on the cycle. Um, So, you know, I will do that for, you know, 30 or 40 minutes and then go into um, a stretching routine with the foam roller um, that takes, you know, about 10 minutes, 12 minutes, but, you know, working from head to toe um, and, uh, you know, shoulders, mid-back, neck, um, you know, the hip flexors um, all the way down through the calves. And so, um, and then and then and then doing some some foam rolling at the end to try to you know do some release um, and, uh, and 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 keep everything uh, keep the blood flowing keep everything moving so I mean that's what I like to do on the mornings of and then when I get to the golf course then we'll go through a, a much shorter um, you know stretching routine but also things to warm up the shoulders the wrists um, and, and the low back as well um, before I actually swing a golf club so and I think the other thing too, that I think that is that people overlook is that, you know, the days leading up to an event, especially the day before in the morning of its hydration is usually important. So I think most people, most people do not drink enough water. So as you, as you and I sit here um,
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah.
1: pounding the water. So um, yeah, that's, and that's, that would be, you know, the, the day of it, cause I just think it's, you know you talk about the fatigue factor, especially if you are walking, if you're not hydrated, you are going to you're, you are going to lose um, you know lose energy and I think that the other thing <clears throat> is that you know that is, is misunderstood is that um, you know dehydration also has a huge impact on on mental focus right So the ability to stay in it for 18 holes um, and four plus hours to be able to concentrate and fo- focus um, hydration has, um, has a direct correlation to that as well.
0: Yeah, what's interesting too, and just to that point on hydration, is that the older you get, Alan, and people don't realize this, there's less like hormonal signaling, like leptin and ghrelin, which are two main hormones in, in your body. Your body isn't telling you thirst or hunger as much as it did when you were 25 or 30. So when you're out in the sun and it's really draining your energy, you need to stay ahead of it, especially when you're 60s, 70s, and 80s, because your body isn't keeping up with that response. So what I tell people is carry one of these things around on the golf course, fill it up with ice at the beginning of the day, especially if it's a hot day, just let, you know, sip it over the course of the day. And, you know, I know most courses have the water jug things, just fill it up. You know, if you could do two of these when you're on the course, I think, you know your brain you know, your body is 64% water so between 60 and 65% water so it's it's vital to be able to perform optimally yep. and it's one of those things you can easily you know easily monitor um yep. or easily change you know beyond you know the foam rolling the all the routines and, and the prep work and things like that um let's talk about just you know and I know one of the big things and I struggle with this personally is how much time do I spend on the range before I go out and play so what I, my personal routine is I, I have to go up and just hit some short wedges and like kind of mess around with the, with the, um, the, like that the green area and just try to make contact. What do you recommend kind of a, the novice, you know, five to 20 handicap player? I know it's a big range, but, um, you know, the weekend golfer, the once or twice a week golfer, what do you recommend they do before they, they go out to play?
1: Well, obviously, you know, assuming that, you know, that ideally if you've done things to warm up the body before you, you know, before you get to the driving range, that would be ideal. And then, you know, on the range, I mean, you know depending on how much time you have right I mean you're not the the idea of, of going to the range before you're playing is to warm up um, and not to try to fix the flaws right I mean what you have brought to the golf course that day um, in most cases you're not going to change it before you walk to the first tee so the objective at that point should be to you know to get warm um, and obviously starting with with shorter clubs right you want to build right and you will definitely see you know, when we when we do baselines and using launch monitors, the difference between the first swing and the 12th swing, the speeds are completely different because now the body is now starting to prepare and you're, you're, you're building up that baseline. So, yeah, starting with a wedge, uh, something shorter um, and then, you know, going up in the bag through the, you know, the, the mid irons and then, you know, finishing with the driver. And then I always like to finish with a few wedges before going over to the putting green and, you know, putting being the last thing that you're doing to get a feel for the speeds before, um, before you head to the first tee.
0: Now, how much time do you leave before tea tee time to prepare for all that, to get all that in?
1: You're talking about warm up, um, not counting the stretching. Yeah. Um, 45 minutes to an hour depends on the day, but I, you know, it usually you, you know, I, it's a, about an hour and sometimes it can be a little bit
0: less. Yeah, I think that's good. Just so you don't feel rushed. You know, I think, um, you know, the putting is key too, right? Just kind of getting a feel for what the greens are, are like that day, you know, if you're really you know, competitive,
1: yeah, it, right? Yeah. And, and, and I mean, look, but so golf is, you know, is played at a baseline of like, you know, it's like, it's very even keeled, right? So I think if you're rushing to the driving range to try to get in a few swings and then you're rushing to the driving, or to, the, to the practice green to hit a few putts and then you're rushing to the first tee, well, then you're going to be rushing for the first few holes, your tempo is going to be um, disrupted. And so I think it's you, you want to set the tone, you know, for the day. And look, I get it. I mean, you know, people playing recreationally leaving work may not have that option, right? So we're talking about optimal conditions here, and having the ability to get there an hour beforehand. I certainly understand that, Um, those that are that are playing at their local local facilities just you know uh, for recreational purposes may not have that option Um, you know and the question comes well if I don't have time to hit balls or or if I have to pick one between hitting balls or or putting um, you know it's I always I think putting is important as far as scoring is concerned but I think that if you don't take any swings before you go to the first tee, you're you know you're opening yourself up for injury so Um, you know, I, I, that's, I guess a personal choice, but, um, I guess missing a, missing a couple putts versus not hurting my lower back, I'd probably, I'd probably choose the warm up. Right.
0: So, yeah, I think I'd rather get through the whole season (laughs) than than miss a couple putts. Right. Um, cool. So in terms of, you know, we talked about the low back, we talked about kind of hips, maybe a little sciatica. What else do you see in terms of like maybe more, you know, different impairments? (laughs)
1: So, um, well, then the joints, right. So we get into the joint issues, right. So, cause it's a, it's a repetitive use, uh, impact game, right. So you will see, we'll see a lot of things with, you know, forearms, elbows, um, you know, shoulders, um, and, and that type of stuff. And a lot, and a lot of it is, it is technique based. Like, so if somebody has a poor grip, um, and is you know impacting uh, the golf ball incorrectly or swinging the club incorrectly because they're you know they're 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 putting their joints in a position that's awkward or not natural um, that can lead to injury and so those are those would probably be the, the the next most common things I mean, rotator cuff injuries you know tendonitis in the elbows um, are some of the things that we see and I think that you know one of the things that I would that I would caution people to a lot of times now in the beginning of the season. And going out to the local facilities, the grass tees are not open right, so you're hitting off of mats. Um, depending on the quality of the artificial turf that you're hitting off of, if it's hard, um, and you're you know you're hitting you know 58 irons in a row, that is uh, a recipe for for tendonitis in the form. So you know I just caution people on that.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, and the tendonitis, it's something that we see pretty commonly and, you know, and it's actually, you know, the nickname is golfer's elbow, right? So any pain on the medial side of the elbow here, um, you know, but I see it on both sides. So I see the the lateral epicondylitis, which is on the top and then, you know, on the bottom is technically your golfer's elbow. So tennis and golfers, you know, it's funny because I see more tennis elbow and golfers than I see golfer's elbow and golfers. Um, but I think that, You know, if I were to give any blanket advice is just go see a professional almost like right away when you start to get that symptomatology, because the longer that it lasts, Alan, you know, if it's more than a week, I always say, you know, the first week, just take some Advil, ice it up a little bit. If it feels better, you're probably fine. After that first seven days, if it's still bothering you and the grip starts to get affected or there's numbness and tingling, I would say like, go see your local PT or, you know, whoever does your body work and get some, get some body work done because, you know, that's just those joints, these little, you know, in the in the connections here, the common extensor tendon. Once they're frayed and they're kind of in a bad place, like you just then you're looking at PRP shots, and it's just it's kind of a it starts to get a little wishy washy in terms of how we can actually rehab it. But um, you know, I think that's a good point. The grip, I never even thought about the grip in terms of how that can affect tendinopathy or, or elbow pain. you see that a lot when you change people's grips, their pain goes? Yeah. Away. I
1: mean, I think, you know, a weak, a weak grip position, you know, will, will change, you know, how, you know, we call ulnar deviation, right. And how the, the ulnar is going to be working. Right. And so the, the position of the, of the wrist is, is, is vitally important um, to having um, the club, you know, swung on the correct path. And, you know, when we see people who's, you know, the left hand uh, for the right handers, the left hand is underneath, we would be in a, we call a weaker position a little bit too much. It puts strain on the forearm at the top of the swing that would not be incurred if, the, if they were gripping the club correctly.
0: Yeah, that's great. So let's talk about some of the problems that the recreational golfer has. So let's say, you know, you get a, a 50, 50 year old, you know, weekend warrior golfer who plays once mm-hmm. or twice a week. Maybe they are a 15 handicap. They're coming to see you and they say, Alan, you know, make me an eight handicap right? So <laughs> look at their swing. <laughs> so you're already laughing. You're like, that's not bad. You can learn how to talk about it, right? Um, but, uh, you know, so where do you start with that person? What are you analyzing? What do you look, what goes through your brain when you're analyzing that 15 handicapper? Well, the,
1: the first thing's first. So, I mean, I always try to do um, an upfront um, assessment and interview where, um, especially, you know, with a new student, hundred percent, you know, usually a phone call in advance to try to get a feel for where they're at, where they, what they want to do. Do they have any physical limitations, injuries? Um, The other thing that we deal with now that we didn't deal with 15 years ago is joint replacement, right? I mean, everybody's got new hips and new knees. And so those are things that we have to take into consideration. So I want to learn before I even um, meet them, you know, on the lesson T, you know, what limitations they may have. And then from there, um, you know, discuss what they're doing about that and then figure out, you know, what their goals are, how, you know, what are their, what are their time constraints? How much time are they going to be able to put into it? And then from there, you know, after watching them develop a plan as to, you know, where they're going to improve the quickest. So I always, you know, I always will, in most cases, we'll find one or two fundamental things that will make a huge difference in a short period of time. And those are the things that I will go after first. Um, I call it the low hanging fruit. And in a lot of cases it is grip and it is posture. Um, and, uh, if we can, if we can, um, clean those things up the way that the the ball striking will improve pretty quickly and pretty dramatically, and then how much time the individual puts into it, um, you know, will dictate, you know, um, how fast that improvement, um, will happen. Um, but it's, it's, you know, it's to go from a 15 to a 12, sure. 15 to an eight. In a year is hard. I mean, I've seen it happen, but the individual would have to put in a fair amount of time. And then obviously the short game, right? So like that's the one thing that people disregard. You know, typically speaking, two-thirds for the average handicap, which in the United States is somewhere in the 15-16 range, 60%, over 60%, close to two-thirds of your shots are going to happen from the flagstick to 30 yards out. So within 30 yards of the flagstick is where two-thirds of your your shots occur and it there's very few people that I've ever encountered that spend that amount of time working on those, on that part of their game. The ones who do are the ones who improve the fastest.
0: So, you know, in the world of PT, right? So if you came in for a low back injury, I'd say, Alan, you know, you got going to see me three times a week for the next month. And then twice a week after that, you know, it's about maybe three hours of your time per week, you know, to fix your back problem. Is that like, how are you prescribing people fix their go- to to fix their golf game? So,
1: so it's, yeah. So, I mean, you know, we're not meeting three times a week. So the, the, I think, look, I will say this one of the worst things that can happen is you give somebody, you know, you have a, you spend an hour with somebody, you you know, you work on whatever changes you want to implement, and then you schedule something for say 10 days later or two weeks later, whatever, and they come back. And and my question is, you know, so have you had a chance to practice? Have you played? How's it going? I haven't touched the club since. So, well, then why are, you know, why are we here? Right. So if you're not going to put the time in, in between when you're, you know, my whole, my whole mission in the course of a, of, a, of an hour lesson is that when the individual leaves, they have a blueprint for what they need to do to implement changes. Right. So um, if they don't take the time to practice and, and, and try to, to try to make those changes on their own and look, it's not, this is not, I understand it's not a full-time job, but if you will just, if they'll just spend, you know, you know, two or three hours a week, um, you know, practicing that will make a big difference. Um, and so, um, I don't like to see people too close together. Like it's not three times a week, I would say at the the bare minimum, you know, seven days, but it's all it's all related to how much are they going to practice? I mean, if somebody's practicing every day and I have somebody who is playing full time, um, then you know it may be sooner, and then there's also things that we can do in between. I mean, now in the virtual world that we live in, um, you know, there's a lot of um, there could be a 15 minute conversation in between sessions where um, the student will send me video, and we'll do uh, I'll analyze the video, send it back to him, and then we'll schedule a call to review it together. So those are the things that you can do in between as well.
0: Yeah, I think that's I think that's great, and that's you know personally where I found the most success is to you know, get the lesson, stew on it, play around with it for a little bit, take it to the course, and then schedule that follow up the next week, or, you know, 10 days or whatever. So I have some time to really think and absorb, you know?
1: Um, Yeah. And and, and I think the thing is, when you practice and play, how you process it, right? So from my perspective, I need for you to give me feedback as to how you're processing the change. Because everybody's different. Right. So and without the practice in the, in the playing in between sessions, we don't have that. I, I need I need for the individual to tell me what they are feeling, what they are experiencing, what they're thinking when they're hitting good shots and when they're hitting poor shots so that we can kind of figure out what's going to make sense to them because everybody learns differently.
0: Yeah. And I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, you know, I'd love to kind of hear your approach to this as well. And what I've found when, as my game has improved, is that it became more mental, right? And it became more kind of learning, you know, not getting down after a bad shot because I can, you can recover, you know, and it also became more about, you know, taking the lesson, maybe to the course. So off of the, you know, once I have the swing down and, you know, short game up, that's good. Taking it to the course and thinking through, really every different shot, you know, how are you going to kind of, you know, and this is, you know, for less than a 1080 cap, I don't know who's on, whoever's on the call, but how are you going to maybe turn a shot or how are you going to keep it low? And, and just the different, like, talk about things that kind of go through your mind that might be different than, you know, the, the average novice, novice golfer when you're, when you're making a shot.
1: So there's, so depending on where you are in, you know, in, in, in your level, right. So there's, there's, there's a time when you have to think right. And, and on the driving range, and this is the thing, like you hear this comment, like I can't take it from the driving range to the golf course. Right. So, and the, and I think that when you are practicing and you are working on fundamentals and you're trying to impart change, there's, there is a time when you're doing that, that you do have to think there is a mental aspect to it. You have to do the repetitions enough so that it does become part of the subconscious. Most people don't put in the time to get to that point. And that's why it doesn't go to the golf course, because when you're on the golf course, you want to have a pre-shot routine that you are doing on every shot that is the same every time. So the brain and the body don't know the difference between rehearsal and reality. That's what the routine does. And so it allows you to climb into that that subconscious mode that once you're ready to pull the trigger, there's not any tension. There's not this thinking. There's not the checklist, right? You, you, we've all played with the guy who's over the ball. And you can just see check 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 right you know grip you now keep the head down right yeah and it's just and it's you know it's like it's like 17 seconds before the trigger gets pulled you get no chance right so it should once you get over the ball and it's time to go you should go it should become more reactionary and less thinking and that's a process it, it's a process to get to that point where the technique and the fundamentals are at a at a suitable baseline where you can transition from thinking. To subconscious and it, it takes time. It does take time.
0: So we've got a question. I know Mark had asked. So we're in the audience here, so I wonder what Alan thinks. Uh, whether Alan thinks what Bryson uh, Bryson is doing will have a negative impact physically on the recreational golfer.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, if you're <laughs> if you're not if you're not in the you know in 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 the shape of Bryson DeChambeau and you're trying to swing a driver, you know. 130 miles an hour, then yeah, it will have a negative impact. Look, I mean, he's, you know, I mean, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but he's a bit of a freak, right? I mean, he's an outlier. So, I mean, most of the guys on tour are not trying to do what Bryson is doing um, because it's extremely hard to control when a driver, when any club, but the driver, especially when it's moving at that high rate of speed, it's hard to know where it's going. It's extremely difficult to play under control. And he has obviously made a point. Um to create speed and create a different baseline. Um, and on some weeks it works for him, other weeks it doesn't. Um, but it isn't it isn't certainly something that most players, amateurs or professionals are going to attempt to do it 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 obviously does have a strain on the body. now he's he's a he's a pretty big guy, right? So I mean somebody like him versus a Jordan speed who's a little bit more wiry or or you know, Justin Thompson's wiry, right? Probably he probably can do it for a longer period of time um, than than those individuals, but not something that I would recommend.
0: Yeah. And then you get kind of get into the different body body types. You get your mesomorphs, the muscular, the dechambeaux, endomorphs, kind of the the shorter, kind of heavier people and the ectomorphs. But you know, and I think that's where we our fields kind of both work together in terms of providing the base level of strength that's needed, right? Because some of those taller, lankier players are going to have hypermobility issues. And yep. the shorter, you know, endomorphic, they're going to be tight and you're going to see the shorter swing arcs. And, you know, I think, you know, what we teach kind of there is maybe just consistency, consistent, um, you know, ball striking capabilities and, and, and just really t- trying to tighten up the swing. But, um, yeah, Bryce, I'm putting on 40 pounds over a winter. I mean, that's or over a year. That's you know, that's a lot of muscle. And I think, uh, you know, strength is important. You need you need strength to be able to hit the ball far and, and to to make sure that you don't get injured. Right. Um, but keeping a lot of muscle on you too, is, you know, that, that, <laughs> that can play a toll on the body, put a toll on the body as well. Yeah.
1: I, I I think he's kind of, he's kind of peeled that back a little bit, right? I think this year he's, he's lighter than he was at the start of last, uh, in last year ago, last spring. So he's kind of taken it back a little bit, but, um, but yeah, it's just, look, everybody's different, right. And there's different ways to create speed. So, um, it's, it's an, it's an individual approach, but, um. Yeah. I mean, I've seen his workouts and where he's trying to create speed. Um, It's, it is not for most people what he does. It really is not.
0: Let's talk about swing aids and like, so I just got the swing, the speed sticks, right. And, you know, I've been doing that. What do you like? What do you not like? What do you recommend to your, uh, to your uh, students? So um,
1: yeah, there's not a ton of aids on the market that I love. Um, you know, I think that anything that helps with mobility, um, you know, that will allow you to stretch and there are a few items that are out there um, that will help to, you know, work with mobility and flexibility. I, I, I you know, don't have any problem with people using that. Um, the things that that claim to be quick fixes, you know, like, it, you know, that are basically trying to do an end around on technique may work for a short period of time. Um but they're not going to work long-term. And usually when you're doing that, you're sacrificing like some of the wedges, for example, that have, you know, an awful lot of, um, offset, you know, to help people get their hands in the right position. When you do that, you're de-lofting the club. So will it help you to, with your, you know, impact position? Sure. But if you need to hit a soft shot, it's really hard to do that with a club that's leaning that far forward. So um there's a there's pros and cons to everything as as far as the speed sticks are concerned specifically yeah. um yeah they they do work um but you have to do it right so again like anything else it's like the treadmill that you buy that sits in the corner of the basement and doesn't get used so you have to go through the protocols and it's you know it's several weeks and into months where you will actually see gains um but those people that play for a living that you know that i've encountered and spoken to they definitely have seen a higher baseline of club head speed um if they do you know spend the 60 or 90 days going through the protocol so yes it it it, it does work um but you have to you have to do it and the last thing i will say about that is that any aid if you are like so the speed sticks for example if you're working on club head speed which is what that does increasing club head speed but you have a poor grip well you're just going to hit it further in the wrong direction. So it's, you know, um, there has to be a balance of having good fundamentals, uh, along with, along with using the AIDS. So.
0: Yeah, I think that's great. You know, and I think that's really important for people to know it, it could be something as simple as a grip, you know, that could help save you like two or three strokes every, you know, even more than that, potentially, right. If you can you know, create some consistency and posture and grip, you know, maybe all it takes is a trip or, you know, for a five pack, you know, a five session thing with your local PGA pro and you, you improve your game by five strokes, you know?
1: Yeah. I I mean, grip is it's, and here's the thing. I think, you know, it's a lot of people don't know what, what it's supposed to feel like or look like. Right. And I think to me, it's all about the feel, you know, having the grip more in the fingers. Most people are too much in the palm, which comes from, you know, growing up playing baseball. Right. So that's what, that's why where that comes from. And then the posture, a lot of it is physical, right? So if people are, you know, short and tight in the psoas and the low back, then they tend to be back on their heels, which affects the posture. And that's the path. So grip is face. So the grip impacts the face position at impact and the posture affects the path. And so those two things are, what are going to dictate where the golf ball goes. Those are the two absolutes with the face, with the face where the face is pointed at impact and the path of the club uh, during the swing those are the two things that are going to determine where the golf ball flies. Um, and so what we do, you know, with our bodies is going to obviously impact that and how you hold the club impacts that. I think the big thing is, and myself included, I mean, I take lessons. Um, we can't see, um, ourselves like the other set of eyes, like, you know, like, you know, putting the club face down and saying, Oh, my club face is open. Every, you know, when I, when I say to somebody, of your club face is two degrees open, that's why you're pushing it to the right. They're like, "Really?" Like they don't they're not aware of it. You need somebody else to make you aware of that. And it doesn't matter what your handicap is or your ability. Everybody needs that other set of eyes. The other thing is is that what you think you are doing and what you think you are feeling is generally not true. So, like the feel is not real is a saying, right? And so it's like, you know, you tell somebody, "Hey, you know, you need to have the club a little bit more on a flatter plane and And, you you know, and you show them on video where they really are. And they're like, oh, my God, I had no idea that that's what the club looked like. Right. So because they what their sense of what they're feeling and what they're doing and what's really happening, happening are two completely different things. And that's where that other set of eyes and having the feedback from the video and having a coach, um, you know, who understands the swing is important.
0: Yeah, I think that's, you know, and I personally found that, too. You know, you you have no idea really what you think, you know, and and I feel like this is kind of, you know, just the novice progression and and approach to a golf season too is like, you know, in April, you're just kind of going out in the ball, you get a couple good shots, whatever. And then you start to, you know, maybe develop a consistency, whether slight, you know, a slight hook or a slight slice and you start to play into that. And then you start to play brain games, but it might be something as simple as, you know, you're not approaching the ball correctly, or, you know, the club is, you know, the club head is a little bit open and impact and then you start to go down a bad path mentally. And then the, it just continues to, you know, it's that positive feedback cycle, that nasty, uh, you know, just start making the same mistakes. So I think the other set of eyes, at least for me personally, has been huge. Um, what do you recommend people do Alan in the off season? Right. So especially in New England, right. You know, they've got all these fancy indoor uh, you know, hitting kind of machine things now. Um you know, mobility, what, like what do you, obviously keeping up to the foam roll what else do you recommend people do in the off season? Yeah, so, I mean, obviously if you have, if you have access to be able to to practice, um,
1: you know, or if you're, you know, able to get to a warmer climate playing, that's great. But, you know, I think that the 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 big thing is when the clubs, when the clubs, you know, for lack of a better term, kind of go away for the winter, um, I think the you know, the, the big thing is 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 working on mobility, you know. And I I, you know, and I've had conversations with 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 clients that, you know, look, you get to a certain point where there's only so much that you can do for them until they make changes to what their their body is doing. If if somebody can't get into a position that I'm asking them to get into because they're physically not able, then we either have to figure out a workaround and and you know, accept some sort of compromise, right? Or they have to go make those changes. And I think during the winter that if people spent time working on mobility and working on things to prep their body, their game would improve. And I've seen it firsthand countless times where I've sent people away um, to professionals like yourself to go work on their, you know, their physical well-being and they come back and maybe we only have like one or two other sessions. it's not about the instructional piece of the puzzle um, and taking you know a whole slew of lessons. It's about having the body be able to do what 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 we what we're asking them to do and when they get to a point that they do that, they start playing the best golf of their lives. I've seen it oh, I've seen it so many times where you know and golf is the excuse, right so, golf is the excuse to go get into better shape and do things. Um, but it impacts your daily life as well. I mean, you're going to feel better throughout your daily routine. So, um, I mean, anything that, you know, people can do during the winter to prepare the body to play better, I think is hands down the the best thing that you can do.
0: You know, it's funny, Alan, I feel like it's hard for people to take that first step sometimes because they don't know where to go. They don't know what to do. They, they go to the gym. They hire, you know, maybe they pick up a, you know, a fitness membership at their local gym, and then but they don't have a routine, or you know, they hire a personal trainer, but it doesn't work out. You know, I think that if people just knew that they could call their local PT office with direct access and make an appointment, and their health healthcare insurance covers it, that more people would do that because it's really not a ton of work. Like it's a few exercises, some rotation, you know, for the back, it's a couple rotation exercises. You know, you can do some acupuncture, some, you know, some intense soft tissue to loosen things up. But, and you're talking about maybe 10 sessions that could completely change mobility issues in the back of the shoulder for rotate, you know, and things like that. But chiropractic even, I mean, what is it, you know, maybe once a week or once every couple of weeks hitting a car, chi- you know, I do, I do spinal manipulation, but even just like those hand in hand, the, the joint mobility and the muscular length can really be improved in as little as like eight weeks i mean if, if people really just to give me two months you know that could make a drastic drastic improvement and, and even just you know posture there's a ton of studies um you know i seemingly in men's health every month there's another study on how improved posture it, it links directly to self you know your attitude about yourself and in your um your happiness in life, right? So the people who are slouching around with their forward heads, you know, I mean, it goes, you kind of, you're not looking at life the same as somebody who's walking yeah. around tall and erect, right? And, and yeah. it's sort of the way you approach life. But, you know, it's funny, Ellen, because we and we were talking about this a couple weeks ago. I, I'm seeing all the golfers now when the season's starting, when I should have, I should I keep telling them, I said, you know, where were you in February? You know, and I know right. with COVID and everything, It's, but I need eight to 10 weeks to really get you where I want you to be you know, with the acupuncture and everything, I need eight to 10 weeks, especially if you're in pain. But, uh, you know, is that kind of what you found, like, you know, probably about two months, you know? It,
1: well, it depends on where they're starting from, right? So, I mean, if you have a client that comes to you or a patient that goes to you that's in relatively good shape, um, but they have, you know, one specific issue with, you know, mobility or maybe need release in one specific area, I mean, it might only be a you know a a few sessions but somebody who's starting from you know a position where they haven't really done anything to work on their mobility for several years then you know it's obviously going to take longer right so everybody's different but you know i had one individual who you know um started working with a uh, few weeks ago and encouraged him to get a foam roller he did been using it and then i saw him a couple weeks later um, and within that two week period, I because he didn't really believe me until I showed him on the video. But I showed him video that I had taken from from two weeks prior to that. But his his mid back, his thoracic spine was had actually um, the swelling and all of the uh, 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 things that had kind of settled in his mid back. You know, you get that puffiness right through the thoracic spine and through the scapula had gone away. You know, because he was releasing that area, increasing blood flow, right and he looked at it and he didn't you know he's like wow you're right and so and but that was like i think it was maybe 2 or 3 weeks that he had been doing that um and we'd already seen a change and his ability to turn and move and do the things we talked about improved so it's a it's you know the the physical well-being and you know and, and doing the things that that you do in conjunction with what i do go hand in hand and 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 it's and it's been obviously look i tell people this if the tour players aren't doing it then there may not be, you know, it's probably not a reason to do it. And, but the tour trailer goes to every single tour event. Now that was not the case 30 or 40 years ago, but there's a reason why there's a fitness trailer at every single tour event, because all of those guys are working out. They're taking care of their bodies because the money has gotten greater than it was 30 or four. There's more on the line. And it's like anything else. It's like if the number one player in the world is in great physical condition and he can play 72 holes at 20 under par well, everybody else is chasing them. And so they're not going to let anybody run away and hide. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's physical fitness and golf has come a long way in the last five or 10 years. Um, and it starts with the tour players and now it's working its way down into, into the, you know, your to, to local clubs and, and amateurs are doing it. And people, because people, and I think to your point before people don't understand what's on the other side, they won't start, they won't take that first step because they don't they don't realize what the benefits will be. Yeah.
0: Or they think that you have to be injured in order to go see a physical therapist or a chiropractor. You just, you yeah. don't, you, you know, and, and insurance still covers it, but people don't realize that, you know, if, if you've got mobility impairments, you know, that's going to lead to a low back injury. So you want to take care of that before, it, because golf is bending and twisting. Anytime you bend your spine and you twist and your hips don't have adequate mobility, that is a disc herniation or a disc annular tear waiting to happen. It's going to happen. It's just an eventuality. So if you're not getting that rotation through your hips and you're not good through your core in terms of tenacity and strength, then it's just, it's just a matter of time. It's a ticking time bomb. So I think if we could, Alan, you know, somehow get the message out to people that, you know, the two professions, really, you know, massage, massage, Cairo, PT, they all kind of, even acupuncture, they all work hand in hand to deliver the optimal optimal result of, you know, mobility and skill. Because, you know, just going to the gym is great, but if you don't have the understanding and the fundamentals of, you know, where you need to start, or like a doctor kind of prescribing that clinic care, then you're just waiting until you get hurt. And then you're ending up, you know, at, a, at an orthopedic and then you're trickling down, you know, the healthcare funnel. And, and that's the biggest thing. And the reason, part of the reason why I started this podcast and brought on experts like you is because we're always treating when sick instead of preventing what we know is going to happen. I mean, it's an eventuality that a 50 year old is going to get low back pain if they haven't stretched a day in their life and don't go to the gym and go out and play golf. They are going to get low back pain. Um, You know, so just kind of taking the step and especially if you want to improve your skills, you know, I think that that's a, you know, it's just a no brainer, but let's talk about the holistic approach to healthcare. You mentioned that on the tour, everyone's you know they're they're bringing around the you know the bus there with the with the fitness equipment that's awesome talk about nutrition sleep I mean there's a whole you know whole realm of of, you know of healthcare you know associated with golf talk to them.
1: so you know my my you know my view of, of holistic coaching is not just looking at the individual as solely as a golfer right so looking at the the person as an entire entity. And what does that mean? So it means that we're taking care of of the body and the mind um, because if you're not doing that, then your performance is going to suffer. And there's obviously components to that nutrition um, you know uh, your, your, your physical fitness, your, your, you know, the mental part of the game and you know, the psychology component, all that stuff. And so it all goes into one, Basket. I mean, we are, you know, we are one, one individual uh, being. And so that, you know, everything has an impact. Um, and obviously, depending on the level that people are playing, I mean, those, those individuals that are, that are playing on tour and playing for a living, that's their full time job. You know, the, the people at the local, <clears throat> that are playing at our local facilities, um, they obviously don't have the time to put in, but that doesn't mean there aren't little things that you can do that are just a few minutes out of your day that will make a difference. And, you know, the components that we've talked about um, today are are, are are just that. And so, you know, I just, I look at, I try to, I try to get as much information up front as I can from each individual client to figure out what makes them tick because it isn't, you know, it, it, sure the technique of, you know, the things that we've talked about like grip and posture and those things are obviously important but what are they thinking about and how are they taking care of themselves and what are they eating before around? and what are they eating and drinking during around? Um, You know, and what do you do to recover? And I think that, you know, one of the things that I've really learned and, um, and kind of had an idea, but the, the, now that you can quantify it, like, you know, in doing things like wearing like a whoop, where it actually shows you what, you know, what your recoveries look like and getting enough sleep and how that impacts how you feel the next day in the level of output that you can put forth um, is all it's, it's important, you know, um, and that's, it's just, it's, it, it, you, if you're doing the right things each day, um, you're going to feel better on the golf course. And, and then to your point, it's not hard, it's not time consuming, but I think the biggest thing that I try to do is make people aware, the aware awareness to those things that um, will, will change how you feel and how you play um, it's my responsibility to make people aware of that.
0: Yeah, and then just maybe educating them on what the next step in the process Correct. is. Correct. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I think that's huge. But um, let's talk. There's one thing that I really did want to talk about, uh, too, that's, you know, it was kind of like on that list of questions we were looking at was the weight shifting, right? So talk about kind of the weight shifting. You were talking about force plates. Uh, you know, that was really interesting to me because I, I didn't even really think about that in terms of the golf. Um, yes, arena. But let's talk.
1: Yeah, about- so, yeah. So as technology has changed, right, and and we have we have the availability of all kinds of tech, technology that we didn't have, you know, ten or fifteen years ago. One of the things that has become more popular in in, in golf um, coaching is the use of force plates, right? So the force plate, um, the one that I use, called Body Track, and so it basically measures and quantifies and shows you know, where your weight is being distributed throughout the swing and how you and how that weight is being transferred. So we're able to see at every single sequence throughout the swing, where your, where your weight is located and where the, where your connectivity to the ground, right? So, cause they talk about, we talk about ground force and your ability to push off and your resistance to the ground and how that allows you to maintain balance and create speed. And so, um, The fitness aspect of it and where we see that it it impacts this is where people do have, um, you know, tight psoas from, from, from sitting in the low back, weight distribution will tend to be um, back in the heels. And, um, and when you're starting from a position of posture where you're back in your heels, it affects your spine angle. And um, if you're, and and I'll let you elaborate on this, because this is your, but if your hip is. Is rotated back, right? So if the if the glute is back, it limits the ability to rotate, right? So we're asking people to to rotate their torso and their hips. We want the weight to end up in their right heel when we get to the top. But if their weight is already back there, we're we're inhibiting that turn. And so what what that does and what that translates into um, is two things. It can cause a reverse shift, right? A reverse pivot. Um, it also causes an over-the-top swing because when people get to a point where they can't continue to turn, they tend to lift. And when they lift and go up, that club gets super vertical at the top. And if their angle of attack and their downswing is steep, then they come over the top. And so it affects the path. So I, And I don't know if I stole this for somebody or if I actually said it, but I've been saying it for a while now. And I said, you know, posture is a predictor of path. When I see somebody and how they're set up and what their posture looks like before the club even goes into motion, I can with pretty, you know, 99% certainty tell you what the path of the club is going to be, both going back and going down based on um, how they are set up before the club even goes into motion. A posture is a predictor of path.
0: So I think it's, you know, really, it's a really important point when you think about if you can give that objective feedback to a golfer you know, and they can immediately change, you know, with, with the objective, think you know, biofeedback is really what it is, right. You're seeing yourself do what it is. You know, if you can, I mean, that's a simple change, you know, it, you just don't know that you're doing, it's that other set of eyes phenomenon again. Uh, that's really cool. I think that's, uh, so that's a really neat technology. You know, obviously we've kind of been using the track. What is it? The track man for a while.
1: Uh, yeah. So there, yeah, there's, there's several launch monitors out there that, that, you know, TrackMan is obviously the most popular one. Um, you know, Foresight makes one called the GC Quad, um, and there are pros and cons to both, right? So TrackMan is a radar-based one, which is really good at seeing the golf ball. Um, the Quad, uh, GC Quad, the Foresight product, um, um, actually is it sees the head, so it's not radar-based. It's camera-based. And so you actually will see people like DeChambeau using both. They have the TrackMan behind. They get the quad to the, uh, to the uh, right of them and in front of them. Because one, one is really good at measuring the ball, and the other one is really good at seeing what the club head is doing, and so they get both. Um, so there's there's pros and cons to, to that, but it, it does, again, like body track, like video, the tr- and the launch monitors allow us to provide feedback to the individual so that they can hopefully relate what the result is right and understanding path and what that does and what they're feeling. Cause that, to me, that's the only, the thing that matters to me is that when the individual leaves at the end of an hour, I want them to be able to say to me that they understand what it feels like to put the club in the proper position. That's, that's all I, that, that is a hundred percent what I'm, what I'm trying to get to. And then, and then they have to go off and practice it obviously, but if they don't have that understanding, there's not going to be any improvement.
0: Yeah, because the whole point is replicability, right? So being be the person being able to replicate what you're doing in that lesson and then bringing that to the next le- lesson. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, one last thing, let's talk about equipment, right? So this is always the <laughs> hot topic, right? And, uh, you know, I love, you know, the Google search, did my driver lose its ping, right? It's like most drivers, like how long, I guess, would you say a driver is good for, and, and how often do you suggest your, to your, uh, you know, do people take classes with attempt to well, their equipment? Well, it, it
1: depends on how much you play, right? So they talk about metal fatigue, right? And does the face of the driver fatigue? And 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 I, there's studies that have been shown that the answer is yes, because really over what's hap- what's happened over the last few years is they're trying to make the faces thinner and thinner and thinner because that's what increases the ball speed. Now there's a limit to what they can do based on the rules, right? So you, you can't have, um, uh, it's, it's 0.830 is the coefficient of restitution, right? So that's what they call core when you hear the words core. So the ball can't rebound off the face at more than 83% of the speed that it was delivered to the club face, right? So that's what that means, right? Coefficient of restitution. So science lesson for the day. Um, so, But in order to get to that point where they, they've they increased that speed off the face, they've made the faces thinner. So does the metal fatigue with those thin faces, sure. And somebody who really swings the club at a high rate of speed—I've seen the faces crack, right? So, you know, I've, I've had driver faces cracked. Um, hasn't happened in a few years when I was younger. <laughs> it used to happen more often than it does now. But, um, but, um, so, you know, I, I think more than more than the metal fatiguing, I think the technology changes are probably the, the bigger benefit to changing equipment. Um, and how often? It's really a personal really, it's it, it, it's a personal decision as to what you want to do. I would say that the most important thing that you know individuals should do is to get properly fit for their equipment. I think that the biggest mistake that you can make is to you know drop five hundred on a driver or a thousand on a set of irons and buy it off the rack. getting getting properly fit to make sure that you have the equipment that you need that will suit you is is, is the most important thing thing that you can do. and You know, if if you're asking me for a rule of thumb, I would say, you know, three, if you play a fair amount, three, you know, two to three seasons on a driver and maybe five seasons on a, on a set of irons and wedges probably more often, especially if it's the one that you use out of the bunker, um, because those grooves do wear out if you're using them out of the sand and it does affect the control and the ability to spin the, spin the ball around the green if those grooves are worn. Yeah, you know, I,
0: you know, I, I try to change my wedges every few years are a big thing. I think you just get comfortable with your clubs, you know, and that's when I yeah. kind of know what they're going to do, but I think that's. And,
1: and and grips, I will say too, like right now, like if you, if you're playing 30 or 40 times a year um, and also rubber, you know, loses some of the, 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 the moisture, they dry out. Right. I mean, it's a petroleum based product. So, um, you know, this is the time of year you should be thinking about getting your grips changed too. Like that's something that's overlooked. So, you know, if your grips are shiny and you can see where your thumb sits on the driver with the wear mark, it's probably time for, <laughs> for some new grips, so
0: <laughs> yeah, it was just sliding around on you. No wonder yeah. you're sliding. Yeah. You. Uh, anything else you wanted to touch on before we kind of wrap up? Uh,
1: no, I think we covered a lot. So you know, I just I think you know, yeah. And I would just say, you know, to to everybody that's listening, you know, do do things to take care of your your body. I mean, and that will allow you to play better golf. You know, play pain free and, and, and play longer and, 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 you know, well into your seventies, eighties, and even nineties. I just think that, you know, if you don't, if you don't take care of, uh, of your back and your health, um, then your body's not going to take care of you. So.
0: Yeah, I think that's great advice. And and how can people get in touch with you, Alan, if they want to maybe take a lesson with you or, or just reach out to you, talk, talk to us a little about your new opportunity and, uh, how they, yeah. How
1: yeah, so, um, so um, you know, I founded Belden Golf at the beginning of the year, and so, uh, you know, the easiest way to reach me is is, is my name, Belden at gmail.com. So that's the, the most convenient way to get me. Um, websites under construction, um, but I've also just recently accepted the position of the Director of Instruction at Salem Country Club, so I'll be up there this summer on the North shore, um, you know, uh, up there, um, we'll still be in central mass as well, but have an opportunity to go up there. So excited about that. I'm looking forward to, uh, uh, to getting going up there. Um, uh, but, uh, but teaching, teaching full-time now and working with, uh, with individual students on a full-time basis where I can focus on that. It's been, been great. It's been always been my passion and, um, and, uh, love what I'm doing right
0: now. So. That's great. That's great. Well, thanks for, uh, joining me today, Alan, I really appreciate it. And I think, uh, unless anybody has any any questions here, uh, just had a couple there. Let's see if we have any more. I think we covered a lot. I think we did a great job of just kind of going across the board. We, We talked about equipment. We talked about, uh, you know, routines, uh, mobility. I think we really hit we hit everything. So, you know, if anybody has any questions, you listen to this, and you, you have any questions, or you want a specific exercise routine. Um, I've got a couple, couple standard golf routines that I like to email out to people. And I'm sure you do too, Alan, for mobility. Yep. Um, three or four exercises. I can put that together pretty simply, but you know, people want a more um substantial evaluation or assessment, you know, I'm happy to squeeze in and and we can do evaluation here. Um but really the skill work is all Alan's. So that's, you know, that's where you gotta, you know, you gotta see the PGA pro for that, for that type of work. And, yeah. and really, you know, it's your arena. And, and that's where we work together really well is just, you text me, Hey, listen, I'm seeing, you know, thoracic tightness, you know, you know, I can look at a golf swing in here and I can, I can, Really, I can figure out what's going on, but I don't know how it's affecting performance. So if you're saying that right. this person's really the load bearing in that right hip is off, then I can really hammer in on that and and do some work there and and do some more. Um, you know, some what are we going to do?
1: It's it's a it's a holistic approach um, and it's a team effort. And you know, like I said, if the tour players weren't doing it, then there would be you know the the tour the tour players are what validate you know what's going on and every single person that's playing for a living right now, they have a component of health and they have fitness gurus and they have people like yourself that are helping them um, to get their bodies ready to play. So it is a hundred percent something that everybody should be doing in order to enjoy the game more.
0: Yeah, perfect. All right, Alan, well, thanks for your time today. And uh, this is great and uh, appreciate it. Good luck on your next chapter. And uh, thank sure you.
1: We'll- yeah, Thank you. We'll see you soon. Have a great day.
0: Yeah, you too. thanks again for joining us for this week's Hooked on Health podcast. Please check out our website in the link below. Whether you're listening on Spotify or on our page, you can reach me personally by email for more information.